Hey. Justin, you can mock me. Django, don't mock me. Don't make fun of my wave. <laughs> I'm, I'm practically mocking myself. Look how I'm oh drinking lemonade mixed with urine. Oh. That's what, that's what it looks like. I like that level of control over the bacteria coming in and out of your body. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Remove all questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell us where you're at. I'm in the spare room. Okay. So closet stuff over there is my is that a, whole thing. Is that a Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe joke? Hmm. Hmm. It always is. You're in the spare room. Right. Oh. Isn't that from the Lionel Witch in the Wardrobe? The little fawn hears that they're, they they came into the place through the spare room. and he, I think you're he thinking of Turkish it. delights. Yeah, it you're must be Turkish delights. Are you calling me fat, Django? Is this about yeah. applets and cotlets? Yeah, applets, yeah. And, applets and cotlets, Turkish delights, the whole Santa Claus thing. That's you want to have a Johnny Appleseed-themed party at the store, and you want me to bring apple, applets and cotlets. Yeah, yeah. Johnny gold so i'm just gonna throw an intro in here and then we'll go back to this um welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast episode 176 i don't know we've said the wrong number for a lot of them actually (laughs) actually, numbers don't work anymore no they don't work anymore um last week i think that we said it was like 176 but it was actually 174 no we but we said it was 175 the whole time so i just put it up as 175 and thought it would be fun to leave the mystery of where is 174 and what is it and now what we'll get to, we at do? some point in the future, go back and revisit that. Where every week we talk about what used to be comics, and now we talk <laughs> about how we're filling our life and times without many comics coming out. I'm Jeff, and I'm sitting with two founders of the feast here. Look at this. I'm Face Toucher. Hmm. <laughs> I forgot who I was. <laughs> and Face Toucher really didn't provide a lot of description as to what. <laughs> It is that he who who he is? Is he that is as frightening as a Asian horror movie, though? <laughs> yes, <laughs> no makes face toucher. Yeah. <laughs> is that name face, confusing to you? Face toucher and jelly spine. <laughs> yeah, it's Jeff face toucher and jelly spine. No, I don't. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with face toucher, but it answers the what and not the who. You know, unless it, and then maybe they're the same thing. I'm the, the one why. who touches the face. That's true. The why is important. Why? You hey. That? Bring me a face. <laughs> oh, um, I, I watched demand- a lot of Doors m- movies and documentaries, so that you makes me like think of the you end. Like a, you like a Jim Morrison? You know, he grabbed a face off the ancient gallery and he walked on down the hall from the end. I know none uh, of us are huge door heads. Yeah, um, I know he jerked off on a tree. Did J- Jim Morrison or the person in the end? Isn't Jim Morrison the guy in the end? That's true. I don't know. I don't know. Who's the edge in the end? Who's the edge? The edge is the guy jerking (laughs) off in the end. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's the fucking edge, bro. Uh, Justin, while while we haven't been in really tight communication, um, I don't know if you know this, but the doors are the new Vietnam in Jeff's world. 
Oh, okay. no, 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 no. No, he, uh, protest all you want, sir. The last day we recorded something was the day I watched the movie The Doors and then the documentary When You're Strange. This is this is merely an instance of Django having two things happen in a proximity, but yeah. he, th- there's no awareness for how little I'm talking about The, the Doors. He now. can put a jelly spine wherever, wherever he wants. Exactly. You can thread that many jelly spines together to create a super omni jelly spine, but it's still a jelly spine. My favorite part of The Doors movie... Uh, the, the documentary that Jeff just watched is the the Trent Reznor soundtrack. <laughs> oh, look at him! Mm. Hey, um, you're just you trying to say wrong it? things. <laughs> he didn't do the soundtrack for that. What did you say, Justin? You're you're well. Jim Morrison didn't do the soundtrack for it. He's dead. <laughs> but he's at the end. <laughs> exactly. He's jerking off at the end. <laughs> um, oh wait, no peeing. Sorry, I don't know why it became jerking off in my mind. <laughs> no, he, he's jerking off. Okay, when you okay, die, okay. there's a long hallway, and when you walk through <laughs> the hallway, there's an elevator door. And the, every time you get to the elevator door, the elevator comes up to the top, the door's open, and it's Jim Morrison jerking off. It and, happens and to everyone when they die. It's going it's up. Divine. Divine. See you later. Um, <laughs> That's a movie. Gosh. We're making okay. movies now, kids. Dude, <laughs> please. Can, can we? Can we? I want to make a soundtrack for a movie. Jeff, are you drinking a McDonald's coffee latte? No. Um, I have been drinking every night a smoothie. Smoothie. So yeah. One <laughs> giant fruit smoothie. One giant f- <laughs> I get myself one giant smoothie. <laughs> smoothie. Smoothie. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> hey, uh, I was just wondering if I could get a strawberry banana. I'm sorry. Um, What is it that you're asking for? I'm sorry. You sound (laughs) like an adult. Do you have children? A smoothie. A smoothie. Uh, Just. uh, Um, I'm uh, sorry. The only thing we have is the strawberry banana. It's me. Me. A smoothie. Uh, one giant large sneezy God, I can say it. Anyway, ice, sweetened condensed milk, bunch of frozen fruit, um, blend it up. Makes a great, makes a great, um, and and uh, I put a, I've been, you know, I just got really into the idea of having tiki drinks while in quarantine. So tiki, exactly. So all of our podcasts, I've been drinking. So you know, I make a fruit sneezy, and then I toss just a little bit of rum and uh, the coconut thing in the white bottle. You know, Malibu. Malibu, yeah, yeah. Oh, that. That's just rum, right? Like, yeah, like but it's mostly coconut rum. sugar. And then yeah. blend it up. And just uh, And then I've been drinking out of this cup every time. So I, I feel like in five years or six years, you know, in the future, five or six years, when I look back on our quarantine time, I'll think about recording Zoom videos and drinking tiki drinks. It's kind of your brand at this point. It's, it's yeah. Mine when is this red wall. Kunstakana? and you need another Malibu, you just do this, and they just bring you another one when you're down there at the cantina in Pustacana. There is, there is, like, this fractal existence of, like, Justin Lives, a continuum of all existence, you know, a rainbow. And one of them is his, is his like, homebro life, you know, yeah. where he's doing oh, yeah. that bro hand gesture. And Yeah, I'm getting a pina colada. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of frozen mango, but it's a good way to get fruits in you too. It's been a oh, yeah, and it cools you down. Oh, and it's just been so rowdy, you know. Oh. 
so warm. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, and then Django's had his his trademark of this red wall behind him. Oh yeah, it's do my you, murder room. Do you bleed it every day? You give it a fresh coat of murder blood. Yeah, blur. Yeah, murder, murder blur. blur. Murder blur. Murder blur. Hey, um, speaking of murder blurred. Yeah. Where have you guys heard from that old crab ragoon Roman? Mm-hmm. We've been doing a 90-person Zoom trivia on Tuesdays. Holy shit. So he and I did trivia last night. He was spectacularly grumpy. Um, oh. <laughs> and oh, uh, and uh, I brought him peanut butter cookies inside his house today, but I didn't, nice. I didn't get to seat him. He only communicates me with me through nautical tale. And I said, I'm fucking tired of it, Roman. I know you're not out on the seas. You're in quarantine like everyone else. Yeah. Why are you sending me envelopes full of knots? <laughs> Good one, Django. Thanks. <laughs> Get this. The other day he told me that he once spent an entire year on an island with nothing but to eat or drink but rum. And, and he's confusing that with this month, isn't he? Yeah, and yeah, and I said, Roman, I'm 60% sure you're making that up. Yeah, but yeah. there's like a lot of unaccounted for years in Roman's life. Like, That's I mean, true. It's, it's why he's called Roman. Oh, <laughs> rum dog Statlinaire. So, yeah, anyway, there's nothing there. We'll, we'll anyway, leave. it's close. If there's um, anyone that has nautical tales, it's Roman. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he. He is like a carved ancient mariner that hangs out on the you know the front of a ship. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to carve that many whiskers into something, but <laughs> Django, every time I see you, you've got different facial hair. Now, none of the listeners can see your different facial hair, but um, this is the like same a... as as the last time you saw me. I just haven't shaved, so I still have oh. like the rap rock star base. He's got like a Fred Durst thing going for him that's been really gross. But it kind of also looks like a carnival conductor villain guy. Yeah, that's been a through line through his whole whole shit. That's true. Um, You guys. I'm I'm thinking about just growing right here on the bottom of my chin, (laughs) like like behind my chin, just like, I don't know, an eighth of an inch thick and see how long I can get that to go. Like a little French stash, but... Yeah, like like just move four inches down your face until it wraps around the, the wrong side. Guys, I've got something I need to get both of yours feedback on. Mm. Um, this is important. Two people I trust with varying you know differences of, of of life experience. Zoom. They got the gallery view. You got all of the faces in there. Zoom. When you're, <clears throat> exactly. When you're rocking a ninety-two person chat, when you're just fucking fist on the throttle of a fucking wagon like a zoom wagon going 92 people deep um it will display it as like like maybe like five by four like 20 people on a screen you can click through them there's like four of them and we're all muted and the quiz master is is asking questions and then it shoots us out into a small room of just the group that you came with and and you're not muted there and you're there for a minute and a half and it takes you back and you're filling out a google doc with the answers anyway Zoom allows you to just pin one of the screenshots as you're the only video thing that you're watching. And I'm finding myself 
really just <clears throat> going through these 93 person strangers and I'll pin a video of them and just sit there and watch them. <laughs> like, like one person? Yeah. Or more often than not, two people getting progressively more drunk over three and a half hours because <laughs> it takes a long time. And, and I just like, there is some weird, extremely voyeuristic thing that happens when you're just like, I'm just watching you two and you think no one is staring at you two the way I am, but I am, this is nearly illegal. This, if this quarantine weren't happening, this would be illegal because I am watching you and you don't know it. And I'm watching you. Do you think anybody else is doing that? I have watching to imagine. You? Um, probably, probably. I don't think we're the more interesting ones on there. <clears throat> There's this like drunk couple and the lady just gets more and more drunk <laughs> and like just like fucking eats and it's just like I just like man I wish that at any point in my life I was I felt that confident that no one was looking at me cuz I can be alone in my house with every window closed and the doors <laughs> locked and I'm still pretty sure that someone may or may not have visual access to what I'm doing at some point and these people are just like that's on the inside Jeff <laughs> well, I hope it's just on the inside. <laughs> and then the, the quiz master's son at one point came on and it was adorable. And he sat on his lap and he looked at the camera and he just shoved his finger in his nose, picked a righteous bogue and ate it like right on the camera in front of 93 people, no awareness for who was watching him. That, I mean, that that's, uh, you know, you, you got to keep that COVID ecosystem internal, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to feed it to your dad. Gross. You just want to keep it in there. <laughs> You don't want it. Um, you don't want it out and about. It's self-sacrifice at that point. Yeah, that's a the little kid's a, a young martyr. Yeah. Oh God! Um, and Django, you're disgusting. So that was a perfect tangent to talk <laughs> about what new digital comic books came out this week. Like I've been doing every week, checking Comicsology for the digital, digital comics that came out. Can I? Get, Are can you I reading digital guesses? comics? <clears throat> I am when anything interesting comes out, and nothing came out today. There has been a total of three comics that have come out in this month that have been digitally, that have been interesting. Um, that Batman, the adventure continues thing mm -hmm. has had two issues. Terry Moore released an issue of five years, um, digitally. And then, uh, Ed Brubaker and Marcus Martin released a digital issue of that thing through panel panel syndicate. Yeah. Um, so I Is read that, that just one issue. It's, There'll be more of it, but oh, okay. yeah, they, they don't ever have time frames or anything. So we'll get an email maybe at some point, but I've read those, but this was the first Wednesday where nothing was in there. There was just like a lot of not, not good, interesting stuff. So yeah, um, we, we tapped that well. Uh, I've, I've been watching happy season two and I finished that last night. Um, I think it might be the, the, the like the weirdly perfect mix of Grant Morrison and Crank and Crank Two High Voltage, uh, because it's directed by the Crank guys. Oh, it it, it felt <clears throat> pretty cranky that first season. Yeah, and the second season is is a, is it's just more of the same. It just kind of ratchets up the the ancient evil side of things. Um, and I, I I would be curious to see what you think of it, Jeff, because it's. It's not, I don't, I don't think that it's the Grant Morrison that you love, but he, his, his stink is all over it and it's oh. great. Justin, what did you think of the first season? I have not watched any Crank or any Happy. What I about read Crank the graphic, High Voltage? Somehow, no. Okay. Although Maynard is in that. Um, I always tell you that. Because um, you bring up Crank 2. High Voltage. Fucking lot <laughs> yes. in our life together. You've brought that up <laughs> a lot. Um, 
But I read the original like issues as they came out, and there's not a lot of like meat there to be adapted to a several tele- season television show. So, so like there's there's an evil. Justin, what did you think about it? Um, I read the the book and initially didn't really like the book, but then it's like, what is it? Yeah, exactly. And then talking about it to people, then it kind of makes more sense when you hear yourself talk about it out loud. Um, and then I watched one of the last times I got like drunk. I watched that show and watched three episodes before I fell asleep. And it, it's only four, right? I think it's eight. It's eight. The first eight or, the eight first, or ten. Yeah. The first season's that long. The, yeah, it's it's way longer than the comic. Because I felt like in the first three episodes that we got to the kind of fucked up Sandy stuff that I remember. Yeah, it just the they like they pad from from there. They pad it with a lot of other characters and and interesting like side motivations before you get to the resolution of the Santa stuff. It's really manic and quirky. And yeah, I wouldn't say it's our Grant Morrison, Jeff, but I, it's like his good comedy stuff. I felt like, yeah. like it's, he's, he's pulling out his good comedy stuff in it. It's real like kind of grimy and dirty, but I, I liked it. I don't remember much from it. But, but season two centers around Easter. Okay. Um, so it also follows that Grant Morrison obsession with holidays. Mm-hmm. What do you think that is, Justin? <clears throat> uh, Grant Morrison's obsession with holidays. God, there's a, there's a couple modes that I could think that that is. I could totally think that Grant Morrison just likes like cartoony celebration, fun, colorful stuff. I think there's also a case to be made that he likes the kind of pagany aspects of all holidays. Um, you know, he, he's English and a lot of those, you know, our holidays come from, from England. So, or from British culture, stuff like that. And, you know, it also got heavily Christianized. So I think maybe he likes the, the zany, you know, the folklore and stuff there. Cause Grant Morrison does love English stuff a lot and kind of European culture stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he he was also just kind of a freak. Like he loves to just dress <laughs> up and be a goofball. That's so true. He, I wish you know, that. I think I wish he loves eggs. Oh yeah, well, it's got to be eggs. You you yeah. know, he experiments with hard boiling eggs and putting them back inside him. They're like, round. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would have loved to have known him when he was out doing like his cross dressing, raving things, and have him be like, "Come on, Jeff, we're going here." And I'd be like, "I don't want to," and he'd be like, "No, we're doing this," and I'd be like, "Fine," and like just getting pulled out to do things with him. Um, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if he liked holidays because um, it's something that everybody's kind of agreed to believe in, which is like kind of seems to me to be related to the reason he likes the Silver Age and the Golden Age stories so much is because like we've all agreed that this is kind of a history for these things. And these are like holidays are just stories that people buy into a little bit more than they buy into other stories. Yeah. Similar to both of those things. I I always kind of think of it as like, I I just feel like he has a love (laughs) of like childhood naivete, which is, which is sort of similar to what both you guys just said of like, he likes role play and role play. and, And just like that idea of like, um, you know, like when he talks about superheroes of like, why talk about the negative stuff when you can talk about like the aspirational positive things. And, and yeah, I feel like he likes like sort of big extreme things that 
like when you're a child, goodness can actually exist. But the older you get, the more like night, like jaded you can be and cynical you become. Right. And, and I feel like holidays oftentimes tap into that almost like lack of cynicism and aspirational stuff. And that's the juxtaposition that happens in Happy in the comic and in the show, which is this drunk, deadbeat, dirtbag, like bad cop who's been fired because he's so bad on a bad force. And he is partnered up with uh, a happy imaginary friend who just has no guile, no like there's not a bad bone in Happy's body. And so Happy is kind of leading this total shitbag through the underbelly of of the holidays what a weird comic to exist though <laughs> yeah. it's a such a grant morrison thing like you can only come out of his his mind and the fight scenes for that are just like holy just crank to high voltage oh. out bro they are they're like <laughs> me a malibu there's there's one that's just like all these slow motion kind of bullet time shots of of uh the the main guy just beating up 40 dudes in suits it's you know i'm kind of a connoisseur of of d- big dumb action and that oh. shots that i'd never seen mm. before and vomit and maybe, vomit. maybe maybe we'll all watch the first episode when we when we finish up here big old like okay I'll, cool it's well, like yeah, zany I'll, I'll and out. trashy in a way that like you kind of want to get down on that trash oh um speaking okay two things get it to end Grant Morrison holidays, and then to segue into other trashy holiday things, uh, I think Grant Morrison really loves, like, his assumption of reality is it's just, like, performative. If you believe it, if you act like it, then it's real. And holidays are, like, group performative actions. Like, none of this makes any sense or is really has an origin in the world, but we all agree upon it and perform. And therefore, what's more real than that? (laughs) Right. Um, Segue... Aaron and I were trying to uh, watch some TV that was a little lighter hearted. Um, Lighter than a show called happy. (laughs) It's hard to find lighthearted (laughs) shit right now, dude. Yeah, for sure. You just see overtones of negative stuff, even when it's not there. Yeah. Right. And she's been binging her like crime stuff. And I've been slowly like, you know, rotting on the inside. (laughs) Dude, Um, Sam's all about like forensic files and shit. I'm like this, I like this lost kids of some town documentary series she's watching. She's like pedophile, pedophile, (laughs) rapist, pedophile. I'm like, I'm going to be in the other room. Give me the doors. I need something happy. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's Aaron Steez normally, but she, she also got laid off. So it's just like, we're sharing the TV. So if I'm not watching weird kind of semi pedophilic anime, with disturbed psychic children. She's watching like, you know, child killers of Miami. (laughs) Um, So we were like, let's just watch something fucking nice, you know, at any cost. So I, I didn't realize the great food truck race had a holiday four episode thing that came out in 2019. Okay. I I don't know if I watched the holiday one. It is, it's called season 11. Okay. So it's like the most, the newest season, but it's only four episodes. It is like a new level of just like stinky, bad, trash television. It is like, 
I like Grapefruit Truck Race a lot, but it's because it's kind of getting down in the drama and it's the performative, like, let's just force ourselves to care about this thing. It's uncomfortable, though. Like, it's yeah. the host is terrible and it is, like, contrived. And if they're in bad towns, which, like, the last year's season is was just all on the East Coast and tiny towns and no one was showing up and it was... Yeah, this is what that was, but <laughs> in the middle of, like, really bad snowstorms. And the people, I swear, were, like, the people they didn't want to pick for the whole season. So they just gave them four episodes. <laughs> I actually, are they over in like Maine and New Hampshire? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I did watch that. And that's the one where it's just like desolate. And you're just like, why is this where we're doing? This is a food truck show. And you're in a town that's like advertising that there's 6,000 people there. Like, right. And there's only four, I guess there's five, but in the first episode, one gets eliminated. So the bulk of the show is there's not enough people to split up the like, attention on these just like kind of each one of them they're all they're all pretty bad cooks and they're all pretty just like disillusioned people so you're just like spending too much time with these people that are just like two of them are talking about how they don't have jobs and that they need to do this for their family and they're like really upset about it i'm like then why don't you just have a job? Like, why is this, why, why is this like, I just why put all it. of your eggs in a food truck? Yeah, this is a, t- a reality TV show. You know what will actually make you money? Working at any other place. Like, it's an income. So and, there is actually a season coming out right now that like oh, really? we bought, yeah, on Amazon Prime, you could, you, you could pay like $5 to just buy the season. So each week when an episode comes out and the, the finals <laughs> are like next week. Oh, um, really? <laughs> but yeah, it's like, and it's like the opposite. It's called the Gold Coast. So they were like, okay, oh. that sucked. So now they're, on the, <laughs> they're over on the, the other side of the country again. Um, but yeah, it's riveting. It is, <laughs> it is, yeah, one of those things that Sam and I are like, oh, that came out. Cool. We'll watch that. Because it's not a painful thing to watch, but it's also just like, what, what are you it's, doing, Tyler? It Florence? is painful in a weird, a, a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there are sometimes good cooks on it. So at least you kind of get your like food voyeur thing where you're like, wow, I would love to have that in my mouth. But these people are like making mint chocolate chip enchiladas and shit. Oh God. And they think they're really good. And it's like, Oh, I I feel so bad for you that you guys are so out of touch. And then Tyler will tell them it's good. Yeah. This is really good. On this newest season, there is a team of like three bros that it's called like the, bachelor bros is their name and in the first episode they were just like not taking it seriously and fucking up and tyler comes in their truck and just like fucking rages at him and it's the really genuine moment of tyler or yeah he gets mad he's like you guys need to be taking it seriously this truck is a mess you're making like a week (laughs) and like and then the next episode one of them is like and they and they're like totally scared and they're trying to do good by him. And then at the end of the next episode, one of them's like, "I have to go back home. I have to bail." Um, and the other two tried to stick it out. And I for like two full days, I was just like, "What happened to that guy? Like, did he just have a panic attack because Tyler Lawrence got angry at him? Or like, what <clears throat> happened?" And I never found out. But if anyone, if if any of our you know legion of fans uh, knows, <laughs> if they could get the answer to us, that would be very good. Jango, have you been keeping up on the food truck? Uh, no, but the, I, I don't know if you guys browse the Netflix top 10 every day uh, oh. like I do. Uh, no, not I, every day. I have a ritual where I get up early. I start paint working. Paint your house with blood. Paint, paint mm-hmm. my house with blood. I start working. I have some coffee. And then all of a sudden, it's like 930 at night. And <laughs> yeah. 
nine o'clock is my earliest time to start playing with Legos. So then I knock off and I find something to watch and play with Legos. And uh, knock off Django. a for going, going, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes uh, to the bathroom, he knocks order. off, and then uh, he gets his Legos out. Um, one of the, the top 10 Netflix TV shows for the last uh, four or five days is a show called Too Hot to Handle. Oh, I've my that. fucking it God. I almost so texted bad. you about it, Justin. Oh, really? I haven't, well, I haven't watched it, but I, I haven't even watched the like, preview clip, but just like the little icon... It, it seems like a hot mess. It, it is a hot mess. And I, I finally caved in because I was reading like on Reddit. People were like, what is this shit? Um, so I was like, all right, we got to watch the trailer for this. And then it reminded me of that show you're watching called Love Island. Oh, what, yeah. Whatever that was called. But yeah, it made me feel like what you the way you talked about that. So I was like, oh, Justin's got to see this. It, <laughs> so like lose your faith in humanity stuff. Like, so like how come they I'm, haven't done a porno version of this? Like why hasn't Showtime done like a straight up X-rated, nobody's allowed to wear clothes, full penetration. Acceptable podcasts asking, why isn't there more reality show pornography? I'm not asking for it. I'm just asking why it doesn't exist. It feels a lot like you're asking for it. (laughs) (laughs) So you can knock off to it. I think there would be, (laughs) Jeff, it's building Legos to it. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Dude, he got the giant Batmobile. Oh, you did? Yeah. I'll uh, I'll grab it and I'll show it to you guys. It's, oh it's yeah, about, show us your Batmobile. I'm, uh, I'm on. I just finished step fourteen, I think, of twenty four. Okay. Yeah. So back to the porno, really quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So are they? <laughs> so they're no clothes the whole time. <laughs> I think that it would be too conflict. Like it's kind of it would be hard to yeah it would get turned on. Oh. <laughs> It would be hard to rev the Batmobile when you're also getting disgusted by the crime in Gotham, right? Like it would be hard to watch people be really gross and egregious because part of it is that that it plays on that misanthropy that we all have where we're like, ew, we wouldn't act like that if we were in this situation. It all, it'd be yeah. hard to go from that to like getting full on horky dorky. So it's like a Chuck <laughs> Palahniuk book where, where you have unbelievable people in an unbelievable situation. Um, Chuck Pornlania? <laughs> Fuck Polaniak. Okay, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> this is that radio gold they're tuning in for. Oh, yeah. I uh, actually... We, ha- sorry, were you going to get to the heart of this, Django? No, oh, I, I... Go, go the for The heart it. of this? Go, oh. go for it. Uh, I was going to say, I sent the call out through Facebook, and I, I said <clears> that the three of us, um, you know, original stalwarts of this podcast are going to be doing a thing and i asked for questions and we got a a number of questions on facebook fuck yeah from people also we did our book we've been doing an east of west book club where each week um like six or seven people join us to talk about that the volume of east to west we've done volume one and two this coming week we're doing middle west and then the the week after that we're going to do volume three of east of west Um, just west books yeah, I know mean, we realized that on the last one. It was like east of west and then middle west, uh, <laughs> yeah. which is still east East of west is middle west. Um, but uh, we, We've got at least two questions already. Um, for? From, from your Facebook post. I saw like six. No, well, I, I haven't even looked on Facebook. This is outside of Facebook. Oh, cool. Um, I don't know why they would text you about that. Well, no, one I, of them is Colette. Uh, I love Colette. Um <clears throat> But 
there was a moment in the most recent one where everyone just stopped and was like, I miss Justin. I miss, <laughs> I want, yeah, no, no kidding. I miss, Ju-. and there's just like this, <clears throat> yeah, go, go through uh, episode two of the book cast if you need to hear everyone derail for a moment. Um, uh, <laughs> unintentional, not, we didn't start it. It wasn't us that did it. Um, I miss but then everyone. Also, um, two episodes ago, I think episode 173 or something, Andrew Carlson came on with a spreadsheet for the Fuck first yeah. like 20 or 30 episodes of the <laughs> podcast. And he was like dropping quotes and asking us questions. You should listen to that one because it's great. He dropped yeah. some qu- quotes of yours. and uh, Which one is played. that? Because I know about his whole spreadsheet project. So. I think it's 173. I, th- okay, I think cool. it's 173. I'll listen to them all. What are numbers? Yeah. Oh, what yeah, are numbers? numbers. I, it's numbers it's called like Meet Andrew or something like that. Okay, cool. Meet Mert. Andrew. I've missed people so much recently. It, like I was, I was texting Jeff earlier. <clears throat> you don't realize how much each individual person that you know actually improves your life. Or I used a food metaphor. Surprise. Um, <laughs> like I said, how much people spice up your life when you you're forced away from them. You realize, like, wow, my life is just kind of bland. And you, you, you know, you miss the, uh, oh, Jeff, this is a perfect segue to the, to the whole thing, um, to our whole conversation about Django and flavor, um, to each flavor that a person brings, brings to your world. So it's, it's, you know, now that we're only eating bowls of quinoa or oatmeal, um, <laughs> it, it, you realize how much each individual person adds, adds flavor. So I've missed all you guys a lot and was before this whole thing got brought up, I was going to text you guys about trying to arrange something like this um but that's a really sentimental waffling way to bring up i used in the text message jeff and i were both using uh food as metaphor and i've literally also just been eating a lot of quinoa and oatmeal um but jeff i referred to sushi and you to being fried chicken but then we realized that you are a piece of fried chicken on top of rice like nigiri uh, uh, illusion of sophistication mm. but in reality you're just a fried piece of chicken on some on a little just, chunk of rice <laughs> and then like no nutrition and then bad for you yeah yeah just <laughs> but the like, illusion that you're like you know like you're probably eating it with chopsticks you're right. probably putting it into like a combination of wasabi and soy sauce you're and like you can you pay say too like much for it yeah, yeah yeah you can say well there's protein yeah, but it's it's really just a chicken and rice dish. And when you when they bring it to you, you go, "Hey guys, look, look what I'm having. I'm having the fried chicken and rice." But instead of wasabi, it's just hot mustard. It's just like yeah, a, a, a thing of Dijon. <laughs> or it's just a great coupon. Zatarans. Tony Chatcheries. Tony Chatchery. I loaded up my potatoes with Tony's tonight. Yeah, I, uh, Aaron and I found that we still had Tony's Chatcheries, so we've been on a a chattery binge lately man nice we're chatched up yeah good uh listen boys i need to get a drink and i'm gonna grab my batmobile to show you do you need me to get you anything else while i'm up i'm Um, gonna i'm gonna some blood yeah i'm gonna gonna top my glass off as well so we'll just cut this audio out justin don't feel like you have to entertain the folks while we're going i'm gonna post this video i'm gonna i'm gonna anti get a drink here okay cool well it's just a smoothie it's just a smooth it's It's just a smoothie yeah i'm gonna get water hey buddy hey uh should we go into some questions i mean we've been getting some questions minutes let's well uh, but 30 minutes of that is bullshit starting stuff so we're probably at about 45 minutes and i'm just gonna have two more chips sure well i'm gonna start with a text that uh is my domain anyway because it was sent from colette to me it says question for tonight 
What are the first books you remember inspiring a love of stories, characters, and lands of imagination from your childhood? And do you feel like there's a chlorination to your taste as an adult? What, and, what would chlorination uh, I'll, I'll, mean? I'll take my answer off the air. Oh, okay, okay. Um, okay, yeah, okay, okay. Django, do you, have, do you have yours ready to go? I would say... Um, I mean, the, the stories that I remember from my childhood are probably from like when I was, I don't know, 11 to 15. Um, I would say the top stories from then for me were The NeverEnding Story, uh, The Princess Bride, and um, probably Indiana Jones as, a, as like a story. Um, it's not a book, but it, it, is, it is something that I was aware of as a, as a story story. Um, and I think that if you think about those those three books uh, or those three characters, there's no way you could say that they didn't completely form all of my opinions going forward <laughs> because I'm still trying to find something as exciting as watching Raiders of the Lost Ark for the 14th time. Man, my parents both would always talk about how like I have always been a super like super obsessive with my interests. And I've always had like a thing, like it was always easy for them to tell the family member, the family members would be like, Hey, what, what do Jen and Jeff want for Christmas? And they were always like, well, I don't know what the hell Jen wants, but Jeff definitely wants anything Batman, you know? Um, and the first two things that ever happened were Ninja Turtles and Batman. Um, and then I left Batman to go into Power <coughs> Rangers. Um, but so, yeah, I think like the first like art media that I was ever highly into would have been like three or four year old Jeff being very into Ninja Turtles and Batman. Um, I don't even know like what Batman I would have liked at that point, you know, like 93. That's like before the animated Batman, right before the, I mean like, and we had the movies and yeah. he, um, was, he was in the sphere. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I don't know why. But yeah, it was definitely Ninja Turtles and Batman were the two things. I, I wonder if it was like the... Do you remember the Kyle Baker drawing of the Joker that's on yo-yos and like all all the cheap garbagey stuff uh, that, that ever came out from like super late 80s to the mid 90s had this, this drawing of the Joker by Kyle Baker that was... Uh-uh. It, it's just like this distorted. It looks a lot like the uh, Jim Aparo Joker with a long pointy chin from the death in the family. Um, Is I'll, that I'll find a low text that says like, ha ha ha. Yeah. Or, or Joker across the, I'll, I'll yeah. find a picture of it for you guys. Cause it's, it's a weirdly classic thing and I'm 99% sure it's Kyle Baker, but it's uncredited mm. everywhere. Hmm. Yeah. Turtle turtles and Batman for me, Justin, do you remember the first, the, I, I feel like mine was kind of a cop out cause I didn't think of a specific story. Mm. Um, I was really into Spider-Man as a kid. Um, the animated series was really big, but even before that, I had a Spider-Man pop-up book that mm. I would try to read. Um, but probably Spider-Man was maybe the longest lasting one through my childhood, but the first big real thing that I engaged with and became obsessed with, uh, was Lion King. Lion King oh. was huge. I watched it over and over and over and over and over again. Um, to the point where my parents were kind of worried that I wouldn't get beyond Lion King. Um, so did the Lion King happen uh, simultaneously to Lo- Looney Tunes, or was Looney Tunes after that? Looney Tunes was after that. Okay, and so I'd say 
kind of Lion King, Looney Tunes, Spider-Man, and then um, kind of superhero stuff. You know, I'd read my brother's comics a lot. And then as I got a little bit older, and kids started like reading books, I was not a super strong reader, so I was pretty insecure about that. So I didn't quite get Harry Potter and all that kind of stuff, but I got really into like King Arthur-y stuff because those were like short stories and there wasn't like a big canon that you could get into. You would just hear about those stories. Mm -hmm. So I was very into like King Arthur a lot as a kid. Um, And then Dr. Seuss, lots of Dr. Seuss too. And Go go Dogs Go book. A A teacher gave it to me and I loved it. I was going to say Dr. Seuss also. um, And maybe that's apparent from my, from my love of chance, but uh, like just, it, it doesn't really color the way I look at stories, but it does color the way I look at, um, I don't know. It's, it's not poetry. It's not prose. It's, it's like prose with a rhythm. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that without Dr. Seuss, specifically uh, Dr. Seuss on tape that we had when I was a kid, I think that I wouldn't have the same affinity chance. or chance. And, and, uh, and just like, like the, the way that words work together because that 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 can be like i love puns and i love wordplay but even more than that i like a rhythm of like a cadence that you have when when someone's speaking or or writing for sure uh that that definitely changed the way i look at or colored the way that i look at things i would say that dr seuss and looney tunes for me really kind of colored my imagination like i very often go to the most absurd place I can in stories. You know, I, I like to break reality and make things really abstract and strange. And I think I, that particularly is in um, both Dr. Seuss and Looney Tunes, Looney Tunes in a little more cynical way. And Dr. I think Seuss is- like you, <clears throat> I feel it was only in the last like year and a half that like I realized how in- informative Bugs Bunny was on Justin. And it's like this incredible missing piece that like, it makes divine <laughs> sense. Um, I have a, an email here from Nathan. Okay, okay um, but, but can I wrap up the Bugs Bunny thing real quick? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you guys haven't watched Crumb while we're all on vacation, like we've had f- four or five weeks to watch Crumb at this point, I think you should It's definitely- not streaming anywhere. I tried. Pay pay four bucks for it or whatever. Like totally worth the the investment. It maybe I think. like wasn't even rentable. I think it was like one really? of those like Amazon you can only buy at things. But I tried to like. Is it a Crumb, crumb documentary? Is it a newish it, one? It's no. It's an older Crumb documentary. But uh, his first sexual experience was uh, like him masturbating to to Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Um, or or maybe it was him riding his aunt's boot when she was. I to don't be remember, fair, but to be fair, Bugs Bunny um, in a dress was exactly you know like gender fluidity was introduced to me in Bugs Bunny, and it's <laughs> never been a thing that stopped being important. Okay, uh, Nathan Butcher, Jeff mentioned the other night that while he hasn't been reading every issue, he'd be sub to Immortal Hulk if he were a customer. So my question is to both of you, because this was a while ago, all three of us, it was like three weeks ago. If you were suddenly relegated to being a customer, customer and had all the inherent reading restrictions that came with it, Ooh, I think what about would this. you be subbing to? Give yourself an average sub budget and obviously pretend you're in the before times when comics. Ooh, so like I think ten, about that all books. the time. Um, ten books <laughs> means this would be a, a pretty long question. Um, can, can we just like bullshit off the top of our head five books? Well, I mean, that makes it four because we would all be on Batman. Yeah, we would all be on Batman probably. Um, 
I pick it up and pick it down, but it's been on my pull list off and on most of my life. Yeah. Um, X-Men for sure would be X-Men online. For sure. Outer um, Darkness would be like my favorite book. Yep. I would do Outer Darkness. Justin and I would have very similar oh, no, yeah. pull we lists <laughs> if we, we were, would. um, if we were relegated to only being able to have like five or six books. Um, if we were just customers in the store. We would come we, in together. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. If I was a customer who was getting basically what I got before I got involved in the store, I don't think that my pull list would be super different other than I would, I would probably take a, f- not quite as many chances. That's not a chant thing. It's, it's chance. No, I, I know what you mean. I, I am addicted to number one. It, so like realistically to try and choose five books is difficult. I would say realistically, I would probably pick up like three or four books a week. Mm-hmm. It's probably about, I would probably spend about $20 a week. Um, and, and I bet at least one of those every week would be like a new number one. Cause there's always something. Cause I, I am just sort of addicted to the, the novelty of a number one. Um, That's actually how I did it as a customer is I had $20 for my subs and I would use like five ish for, you know, a random pickup every week. Yeah. And and sometimes it wasn't on Wednesdays. I'd come in later to get it. And I mentioned that I would be getting immortal Hulk. I, I I do think that is probably one that I would still be getting like, cause there's something about like when a unique run starts and like, there's nothing quite like immortal Hulk and Django. I don't know if you mentioned Justin, but he's been reading it. He's on like volume four of it. Yeah, um, yeah, dude. um but yeah like that is the kind of thing that i would probably fall but I, I don't know if i was only getting so, so many i would probably keep up on it pretty easily but um yeah like th- there's something to be said for like getting a book because you sort of started with it and it is kind of unlike anything else i, w- I would sort of feel an obligation to stick with that book i think did you guys when when you were just subscribers was there a time that you were just a subscriber, Jeff? Like, how long did you collect comics at, uh, from the comics place before you worked there? I mean, Justin, I probably... Well, I mean, Justin was doing it longer than me because I feel like you lived here maybe before I did. Um, but <clears throat> I, I, so, but. I, I started being a customer at the store when I was a freshman in college, and I started working there right when I graduated from college, and I okay. spent four years and two quarters. So like four and a half years of being a subscriber there. So did you guys add and drop things very often? Cause I'm trying to remember and I have other than my shameful collection of crossed that Jeff uh, saw in my file when I didn't go into the store for like 18 months or <laughs> Justin, something like that. That's what this has all been about. It's just that like, <laughs> as soon as Django like came on board or was even sniffing around the store, he was always that guy that had, <laughs> like two hundred dollars worth of crossed in his phone. It was actually like, that everyone. I can't yeah. really take you seriously, dude. Um, <laughs> but but like I don't remember even even when I was shopping at Cosmic, I like I can't really remember if I was dropping things very often. I think I was probably like from our perspective, it's difficult to serve somebody who doesn't subscribe to things and buys them off the shelf like that that adds it like an extra layer of uh how do we order this i think i was one of those guys 
And I think that I didn't drop things very often. I don't think I put it back on the shelf because I understood that dynamic where like- I was very excited to add things. I did drop things. I always felt bad about it. And I would do the thing where I would take my stack of comics and walk around the store and occasionally put some back on the shelf, which Mm -hmm. I felt bad about and knew not to do back then, you know, almost 10 years ago. (laughs) Now I know- exactly how fucked up that was i mean i was i tried to be straightforward about it but i mean that's why to anybody listening or any customer of any store like everyone's got it everyone that works is at a store did that same thing where you have to hide books and shamefully put them back don't ever feel bad about it you can just be straight with people it's all good um, i only got batman books for a really long time i started my polls at the comics place in 2010 which is crazy to think about nice um, and i only got batman books for a little bit and then once, <clears throat> gosh, someone turned me on to lots of indie stuff, but Hawkeye was like the first thing outside of Batman that I, I subs to, or maybe Mark, Mark Wade's Daredevil. But it took me a while to get to like indie stuff, but I would you know, get really excited and sub to a bunch of different books and then be like, fuck, this is like 40 bucks every week and I make $200 a month <laughs> at Orange <laughs> Juliet, so I need to pare down. Um, so yeah, I, I you know I was probably a little bit of a bad sub, but so I guess like to answer Nathan's question, bah. Oh, well, I could yeah. I could rattle more off. I would do yeah, X Men, Outer Darkness. I think actually, if I was only a sub, I would probably you know I'm very behind on Immortal Hulk. It would probably force me to stay with it more. Yeah, I, I comics, think it would have that effect. I was really diligent with reading comics <clears> when I was a sub. Because now I, there's just so much, and I yeah, feel exactly. like I, I'm allowed to get behind. Probably always Batman. Um, gosh, it's so weird to not have that many image books. I said Outer Darkness. Um, I can't think of another huge image book right now. Yeah, I mean, image image yeah, isn't really cranking weird. out cranking out must reads right now. Yeah, Tell you what, know, though, dude, East of West has been good. Oh, yeah, I, I mean. I loved it back in the day. Yeah, I, you know, we just finished volume two and I started volume three, so we're not super far, but I'm like, dang, like, this would have been really hard to read a month between issues, but um, it's it's cool to be reading a whole Hickman book right now. I, I, uh, I'm glad that I have a bunch of them to read. When I saved the first three issues, three or four issues, to read all at once, and I was at a friend's house and we were going to read... But then their friends came over and ended up being kind of a party. And I just sat in the corner and read East to West. And I, there's like a moment that I kind of freaked people out because it made me cry. I thought it was so beautiful that there was a moment where it made me cry. And I was like crying talking about this comic at a party. Because um, Hickman, when he wants to be sweet, he can be really sweet. Oh, 100%. Yeah, you and I are so grossly soulmates <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i think i would have tom king like pretty much any tom, tom king, king thing. all garth ennis those yep. those would be on my list uh batman would definitely be on my list uh walking dead would have been on my list right up to the end and so would invincible um i mean there are a lot of there are a handful of comics that i read that you guys probably don't really realize because we don't talk about them really and they're so far in you know like like walking dead but but lower tier comics that i'm just still kind of plodding along with and and those are the kind of things that like it feels even weird to say but like it's awesome working at a comic shop and reading as many things as you can but it does change your relationship with them and so like 
reading a book that's been coming out forever is a thing that falls on the back burner For because sure. and you talk about it less because you can't really turn people on to like 150 issues <clears throat> of a series like saga is a great book but i wasn't reading saga for the last like two volumes just because like 50 issues in on a thing that everyone's already reading and i try to plow into as many books as i can the first like two or three days like it 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 has some detrimental effects in terms of just like casually reading things the industry is also not very kind or supportive to books that are just consistently good and mm-hmm. come out you know like you are designed to get that high of getting a new book or a new big crazy arc or a character dying off or whatever the industry does to pull these extra dollars out of you is the same thing that get books like Immortal Hulk eventually kind of forgotten about. Like, uh-huh. Oh, it's still good. It, the, it didn't do anything wrong. It's still great, but it's not, it's staying good. And you get bored with just good after a while. Right. You know, yeah, which like is Mark, weird. Mark Wade's Daredevil was a flawless book at, for the time. And I eventually stopped reading it because it was just, Oh, it's that same goodness all the time. There's yeah. Nothing, See, nothing I, have bad, the, I have the opposite problem where I, I'll, if I start reading something, like uh, when I was a customer, if I would start reading something, I would have a really hard time dropping it. Nah. Like it took two or three of the worst comics I've ever read before I like buying them and reading them before I realized that I should not get green arrow anymore. But I don't think that you would have this. I feel like you couldn't go back to that now. I, I feel like yeah, I don't think I you, could. I feel like all of us have read enough comics now that I think our patience for a thing that isn't interesting or isn't you know engaging on a certain level we're just like no i'll find something else like i have such a problem with that yeah that's a thing that i like get down on myself from like i won't let anything breathe for a while but when but when you're paying for all of them and you're sort of separated by that barrier of like privilege which is like you know when you work at a store before you work at a store you're like you're doing anything you can to get more comics and then after you work at a store you're doing anything you can to have enough time to read all the comics you have right. and it does like it, it changes a thing in your brain so yeah you, you like you're no longer like well maybe i'll give it three more issues to see if it gets good because you're like fuck it man like if it's not good right now like something else will be i'll go find that right. um we're gonna have to we gotta we gotta do, do quicker questions Jake. Okay, yeah sorry. all right all great. right no i i yeah. Well, listen, we, ha- we have an email t- from Will Elmer, but we, I do we cannot one do that one next. For a whole that's that's going to be a hard one. Um, so let me, find, um, let me find a question. I know Roman asked us a question on Facebook. Oh, yeah, he did. Um, Ancient Mariner. Roman the little crap ragoon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Roman, Roman the rum dog says, uh, if you could be a hero of the beach, would you, go with the tra- would you go with the traditional... <laughs> Leopard print bikini or your own flare, and what would that flare be? I would not I go with leopard skin. No, I already know what mine would be. Um, what would yours be? Like um, stars. Oh, wow. and now I can't decide if it's like you know plastered fake look like a giant belt of stars in the actual sky, or like chunky, clumsy little kid looking uh, like wizard stars. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. like uh, like uh, Mickey Mouse Fantasia kind of stars. But just yeah. the stars, no moons. No moons, just stars. Just let your one moon. moon. Oh, yeah, well, there's that too. Um, and we are like we're sticking with like the physical shape of it has to be that sort of like thong short short thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so we can see the outline of, of your idea. <laughs> um, Django, what would yours be? 
I think it would just be like a solid neon color, like uh, like a neon pink or a neon green. But the 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 best part of it would be the fur. Like it would be neon pink fur. Oh, go with the beach bikini. I was imagining little tiny little like cartoon pattern cups of ketchup. Oh, like little, little or like yeah, yeah. Little condiment udders hanging <laughs> yeah. off my uh, bikini. Uh-huh. I mean um, that you can't you you that, those are not mutually exclusive. I can have a pink true. furry condiment udder yeah. bikini. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is sort of the ultimate best of both worlds thing, and I would like this sort of uh, thong short short thing with the print of Django's space burger shirts oh, <laughs> um, yeah. which if you haven't seen it it's a joy and I understand some of the, the one is a space shirt and the other is a burger shirt but really? I always put the burgers in space and that's the pattern I would want and I would think about Justin and Django being on my nethers <laughs> as I wore it every time that's a perfect just kind of bridge you know it's all i have <laughs> yeah that's that's good uh okay so let's let's see what else we got here uh, i just sent you guys a photo that uh alex bruner photoshopped for me today he added uh he had a little bit of package to my package if you know what i mean wow um that's that's the last time i wore something close to a bikini uh andrew carl's house no that's that's my parents house in new orleans okay i was gonna say i can't place this no it's huge though bud yeah, well, that was uh, he. Uh, Alex said that he likes to Photoshop oh, okay. giant giant packages onto any, like anytime he finds like, and a Django sexy likes model to shot. send younger boys pictures of himself in an enormous <laughs> package. It's pretty big, Django. I gotta say. Well, you know, you it's roll like up Gonzo's enough socks, nose, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, there's there's some amount of ketchup on there. Chop <laughs> <laughs> it up. Andrew Carlson says, Justin, oh. we're so glad to have you on. Oh. Uh, number one. Well, yes. What is your favorite peanut butter involved quarantine snack? So I, uh, I said, hey, did anybody have questions for us? Comics related, not comics related. Do you want to know something? Do you want to know what Justin's favorite peanut butter themed quarantine snack is? Doesn't matter. Let us know. So. Okay. So I've. You know, a guy gets bored. Yeah. Oh Listen, gosh, it's it's oatmeal life, right? Is right. going to tie life. into a package, a peanut butter oh, package. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, no, I so I haven't had an opportunity to like go to the co-op and get my normal peanut butter themed treats. So I've just had to get funky with with big Costco jugs of peanut butter. So I have had peanut butter and chocolate chips on a spoon. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've done that and put it over a banana. Oh, okay. um, I have made to my disgust, like a chocolate peanut butter oatmeal maple syrup soup. Really, yeah, it was, that was the worst one. And then I realized I had a problem the other day when I had <laughs> my, so I, I there's this gluten-free peanut butter granola that I fucking love, but it's really expensive. Um, Aaron here, sorry. Um, and so I have the granola. And then I also have that granola in bars. Um, so okay. I can eat that on the go instead of just having a bowl. Or if I'm out, if I run out of one or the other, I have the, the opposite one. Can you crumble up the bar into a bowl with milk? It's a little too soft. Okay. But I, if I were desperate enough. But anyway, spoonful <laughs> of peanut butter, the like bag drippings of that granola. <laughs> and then I had that and I was like, that's pretty good. So then I broke up 
the granola bars and put it over a thing of peanut butter. That's probably and, good. Yeah. But then there are some hard parts and it really fucks up your mouth because you're like, you know, when you eat peanut butter, you, there's a whole kind of jaw technique. Yeah. It's hard to factor in the jaw slurp with like actually chewing like a normal person, you know? So, I mean, the I, introduction of granola to the whole thing, you know, like your mouth, like, like glass, peanut butter. Yeah. Yeah. You Probably know, like throat muscles are being worked there. Yeah. I was going to say it's a lot of throat and tongue for peanut butter. Yeah. And then it's a lot of molar for granola. So when you're, when you're getting that dance going, they're not the best partners. You no. know, you're like, and I feel like you're, when you're doing peanut butter, uh, on a spoon, you're, you're also concentrating on breathing the whole time you're trying to get that thing down. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's 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 you like the reverse Mary Poppins because a spoonful of peanut butter doesn't really help anything go down. No, it just kind of stays no. in your mouth. But if you put it to the roof of your mouth, <laughs> it's easier to breathe through your mouth and eat at the same time. <laughs> uh, so Andrew, Andrew has a second question. Oh, uh, what's your favorite book or piece of philosophy? Holy mm. shit! All right, That's you got, a single, specific question. You got, you got 12 seconds. Go. Oh. No, it's like um, a minute. Listen, well, you, you think about it, because I'm going be, to run to the kitchen really quick, take this cup out there. Django, while he's thinking about it, you answer with your favorite bit of philosophy, and we'll all pretend like we're listening. Okay, I would say my favorite bit of philosophy is probably Immortal Hulk, Volume 1. Oh, yeah. So Jeff almost stopped and, and rebutted, but he, uh, he left his wicker chair there. He is really the king of the wicker people. God, I've long wanted a wicker chair so I could be king. It will be Game of Thrones with a wicker, with a wicker, wicker, wicker thong. I want a wicker thong. Oh my God. <laughs> That's my hero of the beach, Speedo. It's just all wicker. Just, just a wicker, wicker on the inside, wicker on the out. Yeah, like a, like a wicker wiener casket. It's it it really challenges the enunciators in your mouth. I don't enunciate well. Um, man, favorite I, philosophy. I have those, but I was waiting for Jeff to come back. Yeah, like I I could I could tell people what my favorite book is. I think. Um, yeah, like novel. Yeah, yeah, because I'm not much of a philosophy reader. Um, mm -hmm. I would I would say that my favorite book is probably Confederacy of Dunces, book yeah, um, by John Kennedy Toole. Uh, it it just it hits every every bit of comedy and tragedy that tickles my funny bone. Yeah, that's a cool uh, book. I have never finished it, but I really like it. Well, there's there's really nobody to latch on to as a there there are protagonists, but there are no heroes. Right. Like there's nobody that you're supposed to like in that. Um, favorite philosophy things books. I would say on the more esoteric side, also on the really religious side, the Corpus Hermeticum is probably my personal Bible. It's a ancient Greek um, kind of religious text that is essentially ancient Egyptian theology that got Greek, turned in translated into Greek um, to and kind of deal with that influx of um, kind of colonizing that was happening in Alexandria. And given uh, a Latin name. Um, well, it was translated in Latin in the Renaissance is when we got that version of it. Um, okay. So, yeah. But it's one so of it's, John Grisham's first books, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, it was, you know how like, well, him and Dan uh, Brown. 
One Peter of the Straub first Grishams. And, yeah. <laughs> Peter Straub and Stephen King do things, and then John Grisham and Dan Brown did the... Yeah. The <laughs> the I mean, like, say what you will, but there's no one who scratches the bottom of the philosophical barrel like uh, John Grisham does. No. And, <laughs> um, getting away from... Obviously, I mentioned Young. Young psychologist as a, a philosopher, I would say, is another big influence uh, to Andrew. And then um, this book called Process and Reality by Alfred North Whitehead. Bearing in mind, that's a really, really dense thing. He's probably as hard as Young was for me to, to jailbreak. So you would want to read secondary material. But I think that's probably had the biggest kind of life-changing um, view that isn't like ancient weirdo shit, um, that it's like a modernist good thing that I, I would feel more justified recommending to people. Um, and then fictional books, Ursula Le Guin, um, Le Guin, this book called Always Coming Home is maybe my favorite modern thing that I've read in the past five years that is like a novel that's really good. And then Kurt Vonnegut's work in general is just like, that is a good series of books that will make you feel good and give you hope and make you want to like be in the world rather than, you know, just sit there and think abstractly about things. Have he's you like, guys... Oh, go ahead. Oh, he's just like the blue-collar philosopher. He can take such powerful depth things and make it as simple as like listening to your mom tell you something really personal, like mm. you know, look both ways before you cross the street. That is a personal story my mom always told me. Well, I, you know, like a childhood thing that like <laughs> you take for granted and yeah, yeah. You, know, yeah, you hear that voice in your head when you're making moral decisions. I'm just like, teasing. Yeah, but that, uh, that predisposition to want to listen to somebody, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Have you guys read House of Leaves? No, but I have a copy of it. Yeah, I've tried, and I've gotten friends' copies of that book. It's, it's a... I mean, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for gimmicks. And that book is full of gimmicks, but they're really, really effective gimmicks to, to make you feel things uh, outside of just the book going in your eyes. You get, you get some physical side effects from it like yeah just the the direction of the text and you get lost in the maze while you're reading this maze of a book well i would say also that like you know philosophy is, is like a to like i don't even think it's being that loose with the term but like i think that like maybe that's like my favorite thing about grant morrison is like if we're talking about philosophy just being um sort of a spoken representation of, of how one views their life that you can sort of pull wisdom or inspiration from. Like I love his comic book writing, but like above all, I think I have a good, a deep appreciation for him for just being somebody that kind of like rattled loose some doors of certainty that existed within my sort of view of things and allowed things to be a bit more fluid. And so like, I almost think of him as a person and like, I don't think he's like a philosopher, but he's somebody who I really enjoy engaging with their work because I think that there is an inherent bit of his own philosophy baked into them that I like to pull out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I certainly don't think Grant Morrison thinks he's a philosopher. He's kind of the anti-philosopher in so many ways. He's that kind of trickstery Bugs Bunny figure that, you know, he's more of a Loki than a, than an Odin builder type. But right. I certainly think that, Grant Morrison's biggest strength is his philosophy, is the way he lives his life. His mm -hmm. radical playfulness that he has with everything was hugely inspiring to me, you know, yeah. where Alan Moore really inspired me to like kind of challenge doctrine and challenge things that I take for granted as real and try to be like, 
is that actually real? Grant Morrison does a similar thing, but he has a little more fun with it. Yeah. And I think that like a, a big thing I love about him and, and sort of that, yeah, that playfulness where I'm just sort of thinking about what you were just saying and sort of just like, I think he has this sort of baked in feeling that I get from most of his work. That's just sort of like, if you're given the choice of how you want to live your not life, like why not live it trying to have fun? Right. You know? And, and it's just sort of like when given the choice, which kind of maybe everything is your choice. Why not choose a better outcome than the one that Jeff always does all the time, which is right. not He's that like much fun. Doing performative phenomenology. Like the world changes based on how you view the world and you mm-hmm. can never truly access what the world actually is. So why not fuck with it as much as you can and find the best outcome? It's a yeah. very like life encouraging philosophy to embark on. Like why don't I don't like, if you're in a limited set of mind mind frame, if you're in a like play, if if the results of your philosophy make you sad, then why the fuck have that philosophy? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> Alan Moore, you're brilliant, but you're miserable and you don't leave the house. What fun? <laughs> what good are is all those books or that big brain? Exactly. It, if it doesn't equate a happier life, then you fucked, kid. Yeah. Um, okay. What's uh, what's another question, Justin? Am I Justin? I mean, <laughs> fucking the you know the the anti Justin, the other J guy. The I think you meant guy. to call me uh, Face Toucher. Oh God, right. not the that's, Face Toucher. He's back. That's the, that's the vibe. Uh, oh my on. face. <laughs> <laughs> he reached out and torched it. So this is also from Andrew Carlson, Andrew. friend of the show, Fox. 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 Um, to all of us, do you have a favorite shirt clothes pattern? I finished Sweet Tooth Volume 2 out of 3, and I was inspired by Gus and his classic red plaid. I don't have... I don't think I could choose a pattern that I like. I, uh, if, if I had to choose a pattern, it would be solid. Uh, <laughs> I like... That's I like, such a Django thing that... Oh, my God. <laughs> That's, like, even more... <laughs> more a Django thing than a blood wall or a big <laughs> like condiment. I mean, let's talk about the pattern on my blood wall. It's solid, <laughs> it's solid red. I, uh, I, I really like contrast stitching. Uh, so yeah, like, I, I think this, yes. this, uh, <laughs> not this hoodie that I'm wearing right now, but most, most of my clothes that uh, are solid colors, I, I like them better if they have, that's a little bit of the Tony Chattery's he likes to sprinkle yeah, yeah. in his wardrobe. Yeah, and I, I'm a, you know obviously a big fan of kind of cowboy embroidery, um, uh, like bordering on cartoon, but I don't think that those count as patterns. So if you're going to make me choose a pattern, it's solid. I don't think a lot about patterns, but I do like co- like s- several colors. So I just t- try to make either all of my clothes be either black, gray, purple, teal, or white. And so that way I can not think about my clothes every day and just put them on. And people are like, Oh, that looks nice. And I'm not, I don't care at all if it looks nice to them. I, I like mostly black with a secondary color. What's today. Um, it's Teal's day. Um, actually, no, since, uh, since the last month and a half, I have been wearing a pair of green Packers sweatpants <laughs> every yeah. day, all day. I call them my pandemic pants. They're Sam's. <laughs> um, I recognize those pants. I think. Yeah, I, I... I think I've worn those pants before. Oh, my good God. Did you poop think, in the store? No, I think one of the times I was, like, walked out or something and you gave me a change of clothes, I think one of those things were, were those Packers pants. Oh, fuck. Well, <laughs> they're filled with love then. Oh, yeah. yeah I, and and I, you I, know <laughs> there's room in the middle for them. Because <laughs> they fit Justin. Down um, in the crotch region. Because they fit his... Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, I was just being less subtle about it. Um, 
Dick but yes, joke. so uh, I don't know. Yeah, not not solid color. Yeah, sol- solid colors for me, but I do like uh, two colors together. Yeah, contrast. And I took too much acid, so I like geometry. Justin's a plaid boy, aren't you? I like not smelling and then therefore looking like I don't smell. <laughs> <laughs> so if someone looks at me and goes, he doesn't seem like he would smell too much, then at least I got him half tricked. So number I four. he wouldn't smell. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, also to all of us, what is your favorite coloring style? I've been finding myself heavily drawn towards watercolors lately. Also from Andrew Carlson, Fots, friend of the show. Very expressive, Andrew. I like that. Watercolors. Yeah. Um, Watercolors can go either way for me. Like Dustin Nguyen, I really like his art, but his watercolors like are so often like don't use like backgrounds i think it's hard to do really detailed Mm -hmm. backgrounds with watercolors maybe um so that it it, while being pretty oftentimes lends itself to having a sort of incomplete feel to me that's not always true but it's true sometimes i need something to ground it like i can't have a whole narrative in it but something where it's in response to a thematic change like flashbacks and grass kings were heavily watercolored i mean like the coloring and watercolor or in sorry grass kings but if it's the whole thing all the time, super expressive like that, it's kind of hard to follow, at least for me. I, I, uh, I'm reading, Justin, you're going to appreciate this. I'm reading The Batgirl Year One by oh, your buddy Chuck yeah. Dixon. Uh, and Chuck. I just read issue six or seven or eight, and there's, there's a shot where she's jumping out of her window to go on patrol, and it's like this, the, the Gotham sky is on fire. Yeah, like it's it's red and yellow and orange and super vivid. Um, I don't know what what type of coloring they were doing at that point because that was right around digital. But it, this doesn't look digital. But it doesn't really look painted. It just looks like really competent coloring. Um, yeah. I'm a huge fan of the uh, the Dark Knight Returns. I think what what was in the colorist's mind when they colored dark knight returns is what i see when i read it because when i flip through it objectively it's like the people are too pale and the the colors aren't rich enough but i think that what she was going for uh lynn varley was was a little bit bolder set of colors and i think that the the printing process just hadn't really advanced and this is in dk1 yeah Okay. Yeah, Dark Knight Two has has <laughs> colors. That colors I, I've I, ever I seen. I can't even read that book. Yeah, I want to yeah. try. Um, <laughs> and then I've been very vocal on how much I love Dean White's coloring. It'd be hard for me to like put, uh, like what exactly that is. But it's acrylics, used, man. He uses like white overtone on things, like um, like he uses like a white pencil for light sources on things, or like <laughs> on Beast's hair. Um, it's hard to describe. It's almost like painterly. It's almost like, like a sod Ribic art would look. It's almost like Frank Frazetti, but not like it's, it, it does have an elements of acrylic, but, um, I don't know what it is, but yeah, his color. And then I love Matt Wilson's colors. Anytime he colors Russell Dowderman's art. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't yeah. do just that, but like whatever, digital coloring whatever is in matt wilson's mind as he's coloring dowderman's art specifically it is just like 
absolutely incredible. I lost the file, but at some point I colored this super dense drawing of Seattle that Andy did. And it's like hundreds of different characters and um, people just interacting on a street scene. And I probably spent, I don't know, probably 40 hours coloring this thing. And I can't even imagine how a professional colorist does this kind of thing um, without some amazing shortcuts. Cause I, I did it in Photoshop. I'm pretty fast at Photoshop and it just took forever. Huh. That's um, yeah. I know like in the special features of the kick-ass DVD, I remember they were doing the special features of making the comic and the colorist was had like had their Photoshop document out and they were talking about color balance on a page, having this like n- numeric sums that needed to balance out. Yeah. Like, and I'm just like, I don't even <clears throat> know what, that is or what you mean by that you know i also really like um super like things that should be black and white but that get very vivid colors like um oh gosh who did the who did the art afterlife with archie francesco francovia francovia's stuff he does a lot of his own colors and i think that his his work with color is really skilled yeah it's really crazy um and I don't think it would work on anyone else's artwork but his. That's right. a good point. It, right. like, I mean, it, it could almost work in Sin City if that got colored. Like that right. style would work. But but yeah, that that's it, it's part of his package. Yeah. I guess I don't really know how to talk about color. Um, I don't, I, yeah, I just know like the two that I really like, but it is, it's a language that I haven't really adopted myself. I can't even point out certain styles. I guess I like things with stark gradients. So like I really like blue and pink in the spaces when those are used gradients of blue and pink and purple and i like when people do like you'll see it in some books where like all everything is just blue and pink and gradients of oh yeah that's like a super expressive pretty moody thing i also really like toned down kind of pastel block colors like brandon graham's color palette is amazing you're right yeah um I love his art, but I think his, and I know he does it all digital, but I think one of his biggest strengths is just his ability to select colors. Um, and like his, it's, I feel like he's spent hours trying to cultivate the like 16 colors he tends to use, but that palette and the fact that you can kind of stamp your signature on something by using a range of color, like no one uses that toxic fucking green that Stoko does. Yeah. No one in their bright mind would color with like, <laughs> or in their right mind would color with like toxic green, bright red and piss yellow. Yeah. Like, I also like really like, work. like Jen Bartel's general color thing is like that yeah. kind of neon. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I can recognize Jen Bartel's art by the colors before I recognize her, her line work. And she, she does was, that stark gradient, you know, just like two bright colors yeah. and then just a very little space in between them. Yeah. Um, and she released a couple e- images of X-Men that came out today of, of like a one G- of rogue in her like nineties blue and, or sorry, yellow and green costume. And it's absolutely amazing. Speaking of X-Men, Zach strong asked, what is your favorite Elseworlds story and your least favorite X-Men mainstay? I assume X-Men mainstay is like character. I would say so. I would, I, I, I can answer favorite. my favorite Elseworlds right, right this second. Um, just a second, just a second, just a second. <clears throat> Justin, what do we think Django's favorite Elseworlds oh, right oh, come this on. second is? Come um, on, you guys I know. Mean, it's prop. Okay, well, I, Justin, I probably am blanking on it. What is it? Dark Knight? 
Is no, that that's that's not officially Elseworlds. Um, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna limit it to actual. Oh, oh, Elseworlds branded. No, Killing Joke is not Elseworlds. Okay, so you want the little it, star? But isn't it? Isn't it though? Isn't it? It didn't. It didn't get the Elseworlds brand. Okay, it didn't get the Elseworlds brand. But Alan Moore did say it wasn't main continuity. Yeah, right? but okay. So we're talking then, about the brand. And it was adopted. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, all right, Justin. So you're Elseworlds talking like, uh, gosh, it was like Gotham by Gaslight through some really shitty uh, Justice League Elseworlds or something like that. Okay. Elseworlds. God. Django's favorite Elseworlds. There it's got to be Batman, right? Right. Is there it was like Batman there and was, the Shadow, or no? They never did that. There was there was the the Holy Terror was uh, was an Elseworlds Batman story with uh, like Batman as a priest, I think, with uh, Norm Brayfogle art. There was the um, Batman. Is it one that you've talked Batman. about a lot? Like, is it crazy that we don't know what it is? You you will definitely know what it is uh, when I say it. I'm spacing. Um, yeah, what is it? It's Gotham by Gaslight. I was gonna say yeah. that might be mine. Just because that's like it my was, go-to. Yeah, it was it was the best comic that came out ever at that point. Like I've never read it. It's really really good. And oh well, I think it's really good. I haven't read it since I was like thirteen. But I reread it not like within the past couple when I was in Spokane, and it's not because the movie came out. Oh it's right, it's not quite. I remember what I remember it, but it's a good good. But story. like it's a lot shorter it, than I remember it. Yeah, yeah, it was like sixty-four pages or less. But when you compare it to other comics that were coming out at the time, like it was a dark, dark, dark version of Batman and and a total departure. We're kind of spoiled for alternate Batman stories now, but right. at that point we had like Gotham by Gaslight and The Dark Knight Returns, and really not not much else unless you went back to the Silver or Golden Age when things were silly. Yeah, I don't like. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty blind to a whole era of DC comics that Justin and Django have both read, <laughs> um, and sort of the whole Elseworlds of comic is a is a thing. I like I don't, I don't even really know what's under that umbrella. Lots yeah. of trash. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but also good, good stuff. stuff. I'm surprised yeah, no. Killing Joke isn't. You know, they're not saying it is. I even know. liked the Batman Green Lantern Elseworld, but you know, I was really bored. In I school, think. So. I think Killing Joke came out way before Elseworlds was a thing. Okay. See, I don't think Arkham Asylum be considered Elseworlds at that point? No, Arkham Asylum was before like Gotham by Gaslight, I think was eighty nine or maybe ninety. That's that's my guess. Um and and um Arkham Asylum and Dark Knight Returns and Killing Joke were all way before that. So Arkham Asylum was in the mid eighties? I thought it was like a 89 kind of thing it was it would have been like 86 87 88 i think okay um, oh, great. yeah it was it was like a contemporary of the movie uh dark knight returns and uh the the birth of the demon is that what it's called but it came out like right around the movie which is why it sold as much as it did so right. um so it was 89 yeah and was it was it 89 or late 88, but like basically yeah. there was some unprecedented number of sales for it because it was the only like standalone Batman graphic novel that came out at this time where Batman was at the, the forefront culturally that it had been in a, like probably since Adam West. Right. Um, and so he got to just go gallivanting for like three years off the paycheck. Jingo, was, was Batman 89 like a big cultural deal? 
I mean, it yeah. was huge because I, I caught it afterwards because I just knew that that was the Batman movie, you know, and Batman is fucking awesome. And it has Justin, all those great ex- quotes. Exactly the same. Like, I don't know. I have no memory of not having that, but like that has to be like, I just, I, at some point before like four became of an age where my dad showed that to me probably. And right. from then on, it was all weird vent shaped abs and mm-hmm. like you know that yellow emblem on the logo and yeah the mouth like the keaton lips <laughs> i never there was never even a chance of cold anything soup. else just cold soup is cold just yeah three or yeah, four I mean, year it was, old jeff yeah it was a big deal uh, was it well received yeah i think i think people kids liked it a lot i think adults liked it because it had jack nicholson that wouldn't uh, be allowed to be a kid's movie nowadays. No, not a chance. Um, but like, I, I think that it wasn't taken seriously just because it was a comic book movie. Yeah. Um, Jack Nicholson was the reason that parents would take their kids to see it. If yeah, that makes any sense. People loved him. Yeah. Uh, so here's, here's an interesting thing. Gotham by Gaslight came out in February of 1989. Um, Arkham Asylum, a serious house on serious earth came out in October of 1989. But as far as I can tell, did not get the Elseworlds stamp, hmm. which is interesting. Yeah, I, I bet they were probably on an editorial <clears throat> or publishing standpoint trying to sort of get people to buy it and, and right. Elseworlds may have meant that it wouldn't have, well, Least favorite X-Men. Least favorite X-Men? That, mm. that is a... Like I, a mainstay as well. I... I am grossly underqualified for this question, but um, if you're going to say like, like least favorite, who, who would I want to be friends with the least based on the X-Men that I've read lately, it would be Cyclops. Yeah. Uh, personality wise. Yeah. Cause, it, cause I think he would be a horrible buddy uh, unless you were in a crisis and then he'd probably be a pretty good buddy. Um, I think just in general, like, I wouldn't want to be friends with Cable. Everybody's shooting at that guy. I, mean, I don't really like Cable. That's a different question because I don't want to be friends with Charles Xavier because I couldn't trust anything ever. Yeah, that's true. Is he my least favorite X-Men mainstay? No, he's a great X-Men mainstay. Nightcrawler might be my least favorite. Fuck you. Yeah, I was, come on, man. That keeps coming in my head guys. and I was like, no, Nightcrawler is, is amazing. He's I probably don't, top of the list of people I'd want to be friends with. Don't like his accent. <laughs> there are... <laughs> Fuck you, Django. Um, <laughs> you just don't like his weird little hands. Or you Can really I? like his weird little hands and you're afraid to admit it. I'm on you. you I've freak. got a hot take. I got a hot take. I got a hot take. I got. I have an answer. It's Jean Grey, isn't it? No, I'm a big fan of Jean Grey. I know. I, I, even though I probably shouldn't be. I feel bad about this. I've never liked Storm. I've never liked Storm either. And I think it's because she's underwritten. Oh gosh, there were and, a lot of ways you could go with that. I'm glad you said underwritten. And like I and and here's my another thing. Like I just, I just remember being as like a child and watching the animated series. Like the way that she would use her powers, she was also like praying. Mm-hmm. And I think adult Jeff can appreciate that more. But it never felt like she controlled the weather because she was like also like praying to the storm spirits and the mother God <laughs> yeah. and bring it. She's and it very like, dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, theatrical. can you tone it down? Also, can you convince to me that like you're like, it doesn't you feel have like the you power. can rule the lightning. It feels like you're like a good spokesperson for whoever controls the lightning. Right. I, I, so that's, 
I've, I've always, and I think as a result of that, I've always wanted to like Storm more than I can ever do. And like also in the cartoon show, she would like do her powers and then she would like collapse because she was weak. Like, right. oh, it's like, how strong are you? What are, who are you? Firestarter? <laughs> are you, because I'm taking hot takes or? No, that's, um, that's, that's, a, that's a Stephen King joke. Uh, I watched comparing Firestarter. Today. Okay. Right. Um, uh, so I get it. All right. Yeah. You're, you're, you and Stephen King and uh, Peter Straubert tight in the door <laughs> storm rogue is the type of character and this is in all things i dislike when you're told that a character is super super either either super smart or super powerful but they can never quite write them enough to display that so they're just like you're supposed to take at face value that this character is a big deal and then they never do anything right that's like storm was always auxiliary she never really had her own episodes Never did it, but w- when they needed a storm, which is, you know, they would write an episode for that, then, then she would have all these sweet powers. It's like, well, where are you any other time? And that happens so many times with characters where it's like, you're told that this character is a big fucking deal. Yeah. And then they don't do anything with the character. And that storm is like that. She's just like, well, now I'm super badass. Here's <laughs> my storm. But she doesn't really do anything else. There are tons of characters like that in you know, Captain Planet. So I can give oh. you a character that I uh, that I wish that I liked more. I don't think I'm enough of an X-Men head to really say like a least favorite or anything like that because I don't know. You already threw Nightcrawler under the fucking bus. Well, yeah, I just I don't I don't like his tattoos in that movie and I don't like his uh, his religious stuff like whatever. But you like uh, that little tail, you freak. I can I tell. like the tail and I, I like his weird you. little hands. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the fact that he wears gloves. How does he get those gloves? <laughs> I don't know, where does he get those wonderful gloves? Um, <laughs> I, I would say that the, the character that I wish that I liked more is Gambit. Yeah. Uh, I think his power is really sure. dumb. Yeah, uh, and I, I think don't... he's a little too on the nose for Django. I think it. Yeah. I think Django can't like him because he's too obviously the character that Django is supposed to like. The right. smarmy <laughs> New Orleans guy who throws cards, and you just probably can't throw cards. Motherfucker, and, and... I can stick a card in a watermelon from thirty paces. Get okay. me a watermelon. He's <laughs> saying paces, but listen, yeah. everyone listening, I've never heard him say paces before. So uh, I think I, this is about when he's in Swarmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never heard anybody <laughs> say Sherry yeah, no. unless they're quoting Gambit. That's bad, sure. right? Is he? <laughs> or do you like him more or less if he threw shrimp? Oh. Oh. Or hush puppies. I would like hush puppies. All Django's got to do is wink and those show up. I, did you say you had something from Will Elmer? Yeah. Uh, Will <laughs> says, uh, what, what are the biggest challenges or things you have learned about transitioning to a delivery-only business oh. over the last two months? Was Jeff able to channel any of his previously acquired oh. delivery skills to help streamline deliveries? And uh, in response, Roman says, I've been meaning to ask Jeff that myself about previous delivery skills. So thanks, um, Roman. Everyone, you can, you can pay $20 a month to download an app called Circuit, and you can input a list of as many addresses <clears> as you want. I did 28 on Tuesday. Yeah, my highest was 25. 20, 28 it's is a lot. It's early. Um, and it will tell you the quickest route and what order to do those in. And like we'll just route you there as you do it. And Oh, that's really cool. It is I a never... delivery intervention. I never would have considered that I should have three boxes, one for in-town before 
Linden and Ferndale and one for in town after Linden and Ferndale and also a Linden and Ferndale box. <laughs> um, because okay. like in, in my brain, if I were arranging those deliveries, I would do Bellingham and then I would go out and do the remote stuff and I'd go home. Um, but circuit saved me like 25 minutes by, by telling me to do these ones and then go North and then come back down and finish. So that by circuit Django? I've been saved by circuit. Yeah. Um, are you being paid by them? No, no, I'm being uh-huh. saved by them. Um, it, we owe them right now. Like, yeah. We owe them uh, 20 bucks a month for me and 20 bucks a month for Jeff. <laughs> yeah. So that's place your that's, orders today, ladies and gentlemen. We're in bed with them right now. Circuit subscription. So that has been very good. Um, like, I learned to be, like, I'll be a lot more patient next time I'm waiting for the Comcast guy. Because I can't tell you when I'm going to show up at your house. If you give me an address that you're going to be at for a three-hour span, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Um, and if I, if, if I have to reroute to a new address, that's going to put a new wrinkle in, in the delivery route. Um, so, like, there, there was one day where people kept telling me, like, well, uh, if you can be here between this time and that time, I'll be at this address. And if it's going to be between that time and that time, I'm going to be at this address. And make sure you text me before you get there. And I was like you've never done deliveries before. have you? I got a lot of places to be and uh, I don't know when I'm going to be at any of them. Yeah. Uh, so just like having that perspective is, uh, is like a totally new. I imagine that's, that's like a, a way for people to vent a bunch of frustration that they're not getting out elsewhere. Like, you know, the delivery guy was late when they said them, 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 them. When, if you think about it, it's probably a pain in the ass. One, one thing that I appreciate about doing deliveries is that um, Jeff likes doing the in-town, like, stop, drive, stop, drive. And I like going as far as I can away from town. I really enjoy doing the, the Ferndale and Linden. I went out to Everson the other day, and uh, one of our customers lives up a two-mile driveway. And, the, like, the Google pin was in the middle of the forest, with no roads around it. And luckily he said I could leave it in his mailbox two miles away at the bottom of his driveway. But uh, I like, I enjoy, I've seen so many parts of this County that I've never, I never That's even the knew cool existed. Part. There, yeah. I just, I am constantly like, I've never been here. And Sam always goes on the deliveries with me. So, and she loves doing it. So we're always just like, this is a great neighborhood we've never been in. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, I like to do the in town ones because like, I have to have a sort of like, number of deliveries per hour you know th- like I, I to f- there's a higher like i'm efficiency whereas if it's an hour like a half hour there and a half hour <laughs> back for one i'm like <laughs> efficiency <laughs> time balance no it's not uh, they paid eight bucks for it it's yeah, exactly exactly and it is but yeah um okay um this is another one just for django from jason Uh-oh. dewitt will you guys be able to do online back issue sales via facebook Yes. Watch Django's eyes light up. We're working on it. Uh, light those eyes up, Django. Oh, we're working on it, guys. <laughs> uh, it's, I, I, I thought it was going to be really simple. I thought we would jump on it like almost immediately. Wait, wait, wait. Are you saying the happened? thing that you wanted to do ended up being more labor intensive than you initially thought? That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. Can you guys relate to that? Um, I, I brought a I can relate box. to seeing that happen with you. <laughs> <laughs> I brought a short box home to process and, uh, and haven't got through it yet. Um, but it is something that I think will be pretty fun in, in kind of the conversations that Jeff and I have had. I think it'll be something like a hybrid, uh, back issue live sale and podcast 
situation. Um, so it's going to be a lot less like bye, 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 bye. And a lot more, here's a cool comic. Here's why we think it's cool. And, uh, you're allowed to buy it if you want. Um, and I think that, uh, I think we're going to have some help from somebody who's going to, going to make it look real good. So, uh, fingers, fingers crossed. We'll have something that looks real professional. It's not the guy who's painting your walls, is it, Django? No, that guy, uh, I painted the walls with his blurred. 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 Okay, okay. Jed Morse asks, and I'm confused because I can't immediately think of what title he's referring to, but he says, so I was reading Multiple, and it got me thinking about how much I like post-apocalypse, disaster, zombie, whatever, as a setting. I was curious if you had any other recommendations with a similar setting. So, Is he talking about Multiple Man? Did that have kind of a post-apocalyptic? Or it could have been an autocorrect error or... Multiplicity. Is what I was thinking. Multiversity. Hi, Steve. (laughs) Hi, Steve. (laughs) Steve. I like pizza. I like pizza. Um, Killer Keaton reference, dude. (laughs) Killer Keaton reference. You know, he played Batman in 1989. And 91-ish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Justin with the Keaton lips. Um, okay, so I don't think it is incredibly imperative that we know what thing he was reading. He was just saying, thinking about how much I like post-apocalypse disaster zombie settings. I so, would say the gold standard is Walking Dead, and crossed, De- crossed is is pretty great for the your gold for, standard. Like if if you want gore porn mixed with your zombie stuff, I would say Deceased has been awesome oh deceased yeah. that's the great tragedy of coronavirus is that we don't get the third issue of deceased yeah. <laughs> kill them all or whatever it is oh, i'm not killers. really a zombie post-apocalyptic survival dude at all and i've thought deceased is fucking cool yeah, yeah. i'm not super either i did like walking <laughs> dead like the first 98 issues mm-hmm. um <laughs> because it really did and particularly like the first like 60 issues like it way it was way more like a heart wrenching person person story, um, and then the first eight issues of Cross, that first miniseries, is phenomenal. In that, it seems like an exploration of how can I like how much can I make people care about these characters while making sure the reader knows that this is the most dangerous possible situation to care about characters because of the high risk of loss. And, and, like, the, and, and that like most crossed, admirable in that regard. Cross hits those points again at some point in, in the ongoing series and everything, but it, it never quite gets back to the kind of heart that that first nine issue series had. Yeah. I think that, I think that Garth Ennis was like trying to do something. Like, yeah. I, I don't, it, and and then and then avatar took that football and fucked it <laughs> like a baby <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 some of them like there is something to make everybody question why they bought that comic yeah. uh, so but really i can't is, even look at the covers man jenga used to show me a cover just to scare me it really is like um a benchmark for sort of what's going on inside you um and, and yeah. it's like if you can handle it 
and you know, some, the good the good cross I can't handle, so I, I like that. Um, yeah, what else is in that realm? I would I would almost put like uh, Freak Angels is definitely a post apocalyptic story. It's got I've a little bit Django, of superhero-y kind of stuff. How long have I known Django? Five years, and I've heard him talk about Freak Angels none the first four years. <laughs> yeah. In the last six months, I've heard him talk about Freak Angels like eight or nine times. What happened? Did you just it's, remember that Freak Angels exists or something? Kind of a like new Netflix show coming out. Yeah, right? yeah. Or is there really? I, I mean, no, it's some... just you keep scrolling by it on some screen, and it's why yeah. it's in your. You know what it probably is is that we rearranged the store and we're able to put that not on the Avatar shelf, which is completely blind to everybody. I didn't think anyone but Warren Ellis brought up Freak Angels. <laughs> it was good. It was it was a digital first comic, and um, and it okay. it just follows like these siblings who all have strange powers and probably had a hand in the destruction of the world. And they're living in London and all have weird similar names to each other. It's it's, it's just a good kind of, I don't know, it, it feels a little bit like rising stars to me. Like all these people who are kind of related and have bizarro powers and have ruined the world. I would say also like um, uh, in, not, not incorruptible, but the other one that Mark Wade did. Irredeemable. Irredeemable. Unfuckwithable. Ir- <laughs> the Kid Cudi single. Irredeemable is a is a post-apocalyptic superhero story that's really good. We Stand on Guard is almost post-apocalyptic, and that one's pretty awesome. Undiscovered Country is probably not survival, but it's post-apocalyptic, right? That's true. Yeah. yeah. And there's probably a trade going to be out soon. Um, if you don't generally yeah. read Marvel comics, Old Man Logan... Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah Django jeff beat you to that motherfucker. <laughs> I, I, i'll have you know feel he said that th- he said that before you feel that. anybody who hasn't read the mark miller old man logan like i don't care if you're a big marvel head or not uh if you just like a good uh kind of road trip adventure story with some superhero shit sprinkled in a that's big old grizzly gooey duck yeah well, sweet tooth oh, yeah. um is <clears throat> post-apocalyptic mystery it's very character emotion forward which i think the when i've really liked the walking dead or different post-apocalypse or like cross like when i've liked that it has been because i care a lot about characters in a stressful situation and Mm -hmm. sweet tooth does that really really well but it isn't necessarily like zombie forward or even the disaster or whatever the sort of apocalyptic event that happened isn't necessarily the forefront of the story, but Sweet Tooth is very good. Well, and that's, I think that that's when post-apocalyptic stories really work well is when you have a good combination of survival and character, like character emotions to go along with it. Hey, can we take this moment to ask if Justin <clears throat> ever finished After Death? Cause I didn't. Oh. The Scott Snyder, Jeff Lemire book? Buddy. No. The first I two I read for buddies. sure. Buddies. The third one was like three months late or something. Right. And it was, they were so oh, dense. Was there four? No, no it, was it was just three. three. Dude, after all that hype, I don't think I finished it. I only brought it up because I, um, I, I think that maybe Andrew was saying like one of the first tens was like you and Roman giving issue number two a ten or maybe issue number one or maybe we all did. I don't remember. I but think we all did. I'm was into it for sure. So like number three is Schrodinger's 10. I like it. So what's the next question? Thanks, buddy. (laughs) Uh, We we got one more question here. It's from Will Elmer, uh, emailed to us. It says, hey, comics crew, what effect do you think this long hiatus is going to have on the quality of books coming out 
for the next year? Do you think everything is just stopped and logged, stopped, jammed? Or do you think that all this extra time is giving writers and artists an opportunity to flesh out ideas more thoroughly, catch up on projects, and create some amazing books? It are better we be fucking big, percolating. Are we going to get some big payoff later this year or next year? Or are my hopes set too high? Will Elmer. I think it's going to be a mix. Yeah. I think if, if Image wanted to save the day, they would make Saga come out as soon as 70% of stores are open. Um, I, th- I, think that, I think this is a chance for those six or seven creators that, that kind of drop the ball on finishing their Image books. This, this is how they can fix that. We're getting yeah. Manhattan projects back. <laughs> I bet yeah. Saga will come back around that time because we were told that scripts had been finished and the art was being done. Yeah. And that was a month or two ago. And cool. we those people are are working on that at that rate, regardless of We were also told it was a one year hiatus and we're almost two yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. Well like, anyway, that, we got we got an update like a month and a half ago <laughs> that they were working on. I'm surprised that they are. You know, yeah, there was rumors that he was kind of lost lost his whole love with the book and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's a good question. I think that like, there's things like creator base. Yeah. And probably based on creator, but there are going to be some, like I bet that DC five G thing might not happen. Right. But like three jokers is going to come out Mm -hmm. probably around the time that all of this stuff starts picking up again. And like there, there are things that, have already like Dark Knight's Metal Two is a thing people will be excited about, and that will happen. I, I didn't hear about Strange a, Adventures to continue that, and that surely will. You I'm know, as sure well. that will. I I didn't hear about a lot of creators getting a pencils down order. I heard some did, but I heard a lot didn't. So right. I I think that I think that the challenge here is for independent creators to stay on target and keep creating because. I don't know about you guys, but my schedule is completely messed up and I'm not doing anything normal right now. And if I was yeah. somebody who was writing and, and drawing comics, like I, I feel like the ecosystem of somebody who has to do creative work is a lot more delicate than the ecosystem of somebody who, you know, like has to, has to do mathematical ordering and, and figuring out how to, how to serve customers. Well, self-motivation is it a huge factor for writing, you know, like yeah. some people can just be a workhorse and plug out consistent or pound out consistent work, but others need the external drive to find inspiration. Some people are going to descend into themselves. Like, you know, I kind of imagined that I would be having this, like, you know, all I've ever wanted, all I needed is just to not work and be paid. <laughs> right. and here I am fucking around yeah. watching Evangelion and laying in bed and farting yeah. to myself and, Finding all the fucked up ways I can eat peanut butter. Yeah, I guess I can't <laughs> tell myself and everybody else all the things that I would do if I only had time. Right. Because oh, um, jealousy, fuck, guys. <laughs> I mean, oh, I'm, you do it. You're just you yeah. just fill it. Don't I? You are filling it with choices, my friend. You can tell me there are things you have to do, but but I think some people are able to descend into themselves and find. You know, I've personally have also been able to have creative ideas for the first time in forever i've been experiencing that as well or just like yeah sorry continue i don't ever want to go back to society is what i'm saying i'm slowly finding my groove and i think that (laughs) some people will that will be great for them and other people like cullen bunn he needs to have those you know 
pitch a book and get a book out right away. Yeah. Kind of Maybe. like you need, you need or, the industry to pull you along. And some people need that hype. Like they want to see them put out a number one and get that hype to get that number two out. You know, Like what if Colin Bunn has been writing this whole time? And what if Colin Bunn dies in a month and we don't even know it for like 17 years because he's still got books <laughs> coming out? Well, like, yeah. yeah. What, what kind of lead he's got. Oh, I guess I'm going to be a lawyer again. I, I wrote all the comics that could ever be written. <laughs> is Tom King's emotional, introspective storytelling, is it going to be enhanced by this time to have introspect, introspection and really dive into himself? Or is it going to be hindered by the fact that he doesn't get to have a conversation with the world? You know, because so much of his stuff is like, here's my feelings. What do you think? Oh, you, it's fucking money in the bank. Here, I'll make more feelings. I know? think no matter what, we're just going to see a shift. And right. I, I'm curious, how long after comics start do we start seeing um, either pandemic-heavy stories or allegories for pandemics or something that swings super hard in the other direction? Like, is this, is our pandemic the end of uh, Deceased? Because nobody wants to read that shit right now? Oh, I bet you Marvel is just going to be like, they're going to treat it like a Marvel event. You know, you'll have the champions talking about how hard it was to do, <laughs> you know, like yeah. just stay at home and go out and fight crime. Like, oh God, I know I should be stuck inside right now, but I got to go fight crime. Oh man. It's Justin, a good thing Tony Stark made me this spray. Issue. Yeah. That's yeah. Justin, you just predicted several issues that we're going to read. <laughs> I, I didn't even think about that, but for sure, we're gonna, those are going to be Marvel comics. Yeah, I, I, I think that when comics come out, there are going to be great ones and there's going to be not great ones. Like there is every single week, there's, you know, there's like a couple great ones, a whole bunch of like pretty good ones and okay ones, and then a couple ones that like I don't have the time to read. Right. Um, so... I think that will definitely be true. I think they're, they're definitely not going to not put out a bunch of the stuff. I think if anything, they'll probably, like, as soon as like two months go by, they'll be like, all right, we've got to get some shit out that makes people want to start reading comics again. Because I think they're worried a lot of people are going to you know, get comfortable with like, I wasn't reading comics and that wasn't so bad. Right. Yeah. So I'm dangle some fresh heroin out there. I'm worried about like what kind of gross bathtub heroin that they make just to try to buoy sales right away. Like what, pseudo big event are they going to push that means nothing just for the sake of getting readers back you know? well and the like the are tricky gonna thing have... is going to be like i think the responsible thing for comic stores to do is to not push sales super hard which is totally counterintuitive to business in general and and dc is not going to play ball with that marvel's not going to play ball with that diamond's no, not they're gonna just going to try and get as many yeah issues out as they can yeah so it's going to kind of fall on stores to be responsible and you know that's that's going to be a mixed bag um I, I i think that uh i like not to not to brag but i think that our local market is pretty lucky that we're able to keep comics going and keep getting comics in people's hands in a safe way and i don't think that every comic area has that as an option so you know i think that um places that don't have somebody who's delivering and who isn't who, who aren't offering uh curbside pickup and a, an easy way for people to get comics i think they're going to be hit a lot harder than uh areas that do have those options for people um so yeah that that ramp up is is super critical for like from a business perspective what is the best way to do it for the most stores and um, where do we fall in that 
kind of gradient of most stores because the best thing for most stores might be something that's really difficult for us to deal with. Um, just from a, like, what if the best thing for most stores is in on May 15th, they start releasing comics twice as hard as they have to catch up. Like we don't really have the, the oh, a good way to do that. So it'll be interesting to see what, the publishers and diamond decide are the the best ways to help the comic book industry recover as a whole. And we're just going to kind of be along for the ride for that. And some uh, of this might force it to go underground even more. So, you know, more different types of platforms and stuff and less relying on industry because creators are still creating and creators still want to put their stuff out. And if, you know, all the tributaries that get their stuff out are crammed up. You know, we might start to see, you know, creator-owned individual online comic projects. Like, you know, you go to Tom <laughs> King's website, for example, to get yeah. his shit or, you know. Kind of like what Panel Syndicate's doing. But I, I, I keep forgetting to mention it on the podcast, I think. But and I haven't. But the Ice Cream Man people are yeah, doing several page comics releasing them digitally and you can pay i haven't gone and looked at them i keep forgetting to go and get those ones even that i'm checking for digital comics um so but i think that's super super cool i can't remember what the name is or what it it's is something like pandemo comics or something yes yeah, like some, some, some i think it's quarantine comics right oh yeah 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 um well so listen before we get out of here i have one final question to send us out on this was texted into me from ryan russell <clears throat> quarantinecomics.com with an x by the way okay um if you're still recording would justin drink a southern specialty dot 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 yes coke and peanuts and, coke and peanuts yeah i've heard of this what oh, fuck yeah absolutely hands down and i don't i think that you eat the peanuts as you're drinking it but yeah um it's it's a thing all right if I raise him that I would take that, but I'd have to chase it with a thing of peanut butter in my, in my wrist and, and a cold Coca-Cola. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And then have a Tabasco liner around the bottle, like the salt. So it's like, it's like half margarita, um, half tequila shot and half oyster, like raw oyster. No, with Coke nothing, and none of it is raw oyster. I, every time I've had raw oyster, I've thrown up. Even what do, on what do you put a hot sauce on like that? Raw oyster. I've seen him put hot sauce on a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> anything really. The back of my hand. But I think specifically here, we were talking about peanut butter and yeah. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I would totally just say what the kids say. Fuck with that. Um, I would not drink that, but I would I, drink it and when, half eat it. When we're allowed to be around each other again, all three, whoever and whoever else wants to, we're going to have a podcast where we're going to drink those things on the podcast. And the first person to spit it up out of their nose has to do something. Okay. Eat a raw oyster. Okay. All right. Uh, what if I, what if I proactively amend this? What if I buy bottles of Coke and peanuts and drop them off at both of your house. And then we have a zoom chat where we have them done. I'm in. People I like peanuts that? and Coke. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll have, we'll have like I a like three minute eggs. podcast. <laughs> okay, cool. So everybody, and that one we'll record on video and put on Facebook as we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Look for that in the next several days. Cause I'm gonna make it happen. I love yeah, small um, reasons to leave the house today. It was just drop peanut butter cookies off at Roman's house. Should have dropped some peanut butter cookies off at your house, Justin. Sam oh, made God. some amazing peanut butter cookies. Uh, well, they're peanut they're butter. F full of gluten. I'm has sure. Roman started dressing like a rat? 
He just stopped dressing He's at all. He's growing his beard out. Okay, okay. Really? Mm-hmm. Roman's stories about the rat, I wondered if the psychodrama has gone on where Roman realized he's the rat and then he must embody the rat furthermore. I think he's like a week and a half away from that. Okay. Yeah, like if I had to estimate a time frame, I think he's like a week and a half out. I don't know. road to rat. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you guys have seen uh, our buddy Ron Warner lately, but he has grown a majestic like hillbilly in the hills beard. Um, and, And he is blessed with a white beard and a totally brown Fu Manchu mustache Brush, yeah. in the Which middle is, of it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, I wonder how the hair decided. Um, well, hey, on that note, Justin, thank yes. you so much for hanging out oh, with us. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's great to Django. See you guys. Uh, my name is Face Toucher. Face Toucher Blurred Wall. Uh, um, and I'm Jeff, and I, you know, I'm not face touch your blood wall i'm just <laughs> office Blur. cat room where they come and poop while i'm recording you're the wicker king i'm king yeah. of the wicker people that's right you made it and right, justin's boys. the hottest man i've ever seen and it's great uh, to see you i'm just a butter guy i'm just a butter guy <laughs> peanut butter <laughs> milk peanut butter 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 yeah butter butter, um, butter. pepper all butter. right love you all see you soon love you too see you guys Bye, boys. great to all see right. you